0: You're listening to a podcast from Blogging Heads TV. Hi, welcome to Culturally Determined. I'm your host, Aria Cohen-Wade, and my guest today uh, returning is uh, Chris Arnotti. Uh Chris, thanks for coming back on. Could you uh, introduce yourself to the, the viewers and listeners?
1: Yeah, hi. First of all, thank you very much, and um, welcome from upstate New York. Um, I'm a uh I guess a photographer, writer. Um, I I was a physicist, and then I became a banker, and then after twenty years of banking, I left that to uh, document addiction and poverty across the United States, and I encapsulate my experience in a book called um, "Dignity: Seeking Respect in Back Row America," which I actually have a copy of here. You can, you can. Is it backwards? <laughs> no, that, it, it,
0: it's appearing uh, the there correct way to me.
1: So, um, yeah, you rush out and. Um, by socially distancing and by, by the book by socially distancing. Um, but, um, yeah, it's a, it's a book about, um, my seven or eight years, um, amongst what I call back row America, which is people who lack credentials, high, high big resumes, uh, high, re- high educational attainment, um, and are scattered throughout America.
0: Um, and so we, we had a conversation about that book, uh, when it came out about a year ago. And so we'll include a link to that if people want to check that out. I, you know, I uh, remember liking the book. It also includes, uh, you know, it's a full color book, including your photographs, uh, you know, portraits of uh, the people you're talking to. And uh, so the, the uh, along with text and kind of a narrative. Um, so uh, yeah, people should uh, check it out whatever way they can right now. Um, probably not running out, uh, probably clicking something and someone else will bring the book to them. Uh, for the foreseeable future. Um so I wanted to have you back on to kind of talk about the current crazy c- circumstances and, um the, and also, you know, how th- this might play out in the election. Um I wanted to talk to you in particular because you were prescient about, uh, Donald Trump and the appeal that he held to, uh, a certain group of people who are kind of the back row or, you know, they're Unseen by the type of people who chatter about politics on TV or online. Um, but first of all, I, first thing is, I, you know, I actually was thinking about your methods in terms of this crisis because you kind of travel around and it will, you know, as you explain in the book, you'll like go to a small town and like go to McDonald's and like see who's hanging around and start chatting with people. And, um, I don't know if you, if you were planning it, <laughs> if those days are over for good if you are planning on going out again, but like that, that way of talking to people, uh, it seems much, much harder now. So uh, how are you thinking about that? And do you plan on resuming someday when hopefully this, the the, like acute crisis has passed or, or what?
1: Yeah, I was literally um, planning a three month tour of the U S in my car to kind of do similar things, both give talks to smaller community colleges and libraries, as well as, you know, I, I've been home for two years writing the book and and, and selling the book, and uh, so I was in March fifteenth. My car was loaded to go on a three month circle of the United States, oh, wow. um, and that got put on hold, obviously. Um, and part of my project was, you know, when you when you spend seven or eight years driving four hundred thousand miles around the United States, certain places stick in your mind, and um, part of my Next project was to go back to those places that I felt like I didn't spend enough time in that kind of just linger with me um, and I, I want to see again um, and I can't do that now obviously um, um, I, I'm, I'm very careful about this pandemic, given my age and my, my health. So, um, I'm, I'm doing my best to, to, I haven't left my house in two months and I, that's frustrating. So I have to, everything I say has to be seen through the prism of what I did before, which is kind of intellectually frustrating for me. Um, I, I don't really like to be on Twitter. I don't like to, um, uh, uh, even though I'm on it a lot now, um, I took, I took literally almost two years off when I was writing the book, t- um, I don't like to be on Twitter. I don't like to think in this way, but it's all I can do right now. And I can kind of go through my old notes and kind of stitch together what I learned before and put it in context. And I think what I've tried to do is early on during this pandemic was um, highlight. You know, I, I liken it. I use my old particle physics days when you when you want to want to probe kind of the truth or reveal the inner truth of things. You slam shit together really at really fast energies with a particle accelerators. And in some senses, as this pandemic is doing that is revealing these things that are kind of underneath the service structurally that we all knew but they're being seen right now in very very dramatic stark terms and that's kind of the inequality that exists in the United States and how people are having to react to the pandemic you know the the shelter in place as I like to say, the place is doing a lot of work. um the phrase the place uh, everybody some people don't have places literally um, some people have twelve people in one sharing one bathroom, some people don't have yards um and so sheltering in place is, a, is putting a lot of stress on different people and um you know i I call it the laundry mat divide, you know, <laughs> like you know some people. You know, I'm up up where I am. People, there's an uncomfortable number of second homes for people from Manhattan. Um, and when when this pandemic really got serious, which is about when I was about to leave, um, the lows was filled with people. I could just spot them from Brooklyn um, and from Manhattan, buying deep freezers and things like that um, to to basically you know stock their house with three deep freezers and buy meat. Um, and you know, people I know from my book can't do that. They don't have the sp- the money to buy deep freezers. They don't have the space to store it. Um, so I think how how this pandemic initially, you know, the whole quarantining in place is, is really exposed a big like you know the laundromat gap or the the Wi-Fi gap or whatever you want to call it.
0: Yeah, and so again, okay, there's two things I I want to note from that uh, before we even continue on. Uh, so the first one be could you tell us what, what what were those places that stuck in your mind and you wanted to revisit? Uh, but second, I just want to share an anecdote, which is I was actually at the laundromat two hours ago. Um, so I now uh, live in an apartment that doesn't have laundry on site. And there's a laundromat um, literally down the block. And so when I first moved, having not had to use a laundromat in a long time, I was like, yeah, this is, you know, sure, this is annoying, but I guess this is, you know, I'll save a little money. And then once it started, uh, I uh, decided I had enough money that I could, uh, like, send the laundry out through a service. Um, and that's a lot, you know, a lot more convenient and a couple days. And so I, so I walked past the laundromat all the, all the time. And a couple days after, uh, the, you know, lockdown started, the laundromat obviously stays open as a central service. There was a, uh, like a printed out notice, uh, stuck to the window of the laundromat that the guy who was kind of the manager or overseer had died. Uh, oh, and he was an African-American guy. I would say 55 to 60. Um, and it said he did not die of COVID, uh, he died of a heart attack. Okay. Um, and he seemed like a very nice guy. You, you would, you know, uh, you know, not you when you, when you came in that th- kind of thing. And, but I was thinking like, okay, so this guy, it's probably very stressful to have this job, you know, when, <laughs> when a pandemic is happening. And so who knows, but th- this guy will not be counted as one of the official, um, in the official statistics of the COVID deaths, but it seems like it's, elite, <laughs> it's possible that the added stress of managing a laundromat in Jersey city, New Jersey, um, you know, led to led to a heart attack and he died. Um. So yeah. So it's it is. There, there's a lot going on there. Okay. So I, I've talked for a bit. So could you just say what what those what the cities were that you wanted that you wanted to go to?
1: Yeah, two of them. Um, two of them were the one's called Kingdom City, Missouri, and it's not really a city as much as it's a it's a massive truck stop, um, and it's it's between Kansas City and St. Louis, somewhere in the in the middle of uh, Missouri, right off the interstate. There, I think it's forty interstate forty is or eighty. I forget which one it is, um, and. Um, it's just really fascinating place because it started in probably the 50s once the interstate was built as kind of this rest stop or a truck stop, and now there is four truck stops, fifteen motels, you know, two waffle houses, three McDonald's, all that, um, but. You know, I spent enough time there that there's this weird permanence about it, even though it's impermanent. I mean, the city hall is a, is a, the city hall of the kingdom city actually has a city hall, and the city hall is one of those, um, temporary trailers, <laughs> you know, that someone, um, has been sitting there probably for 20 years now, um, that never got constructed in anything more than a temporary trailer. So it's just, but the people, but the, when I've been there, I've always really resonated with me because, People live there and kind of don't live there. People, it's 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 a, it's a city built on transients, and so that kind of duality has really f- struck with me. Um, you know how how can how can a rest how can a truck stop become basically some place where people spend their lives or or a good portion of their lives? Um, the other one was um, I, I, I think I'll get the right name Fort Dodge, Kansas, um, which is kind of relevant now. Um, because it's a meatpacking town and um it's it's a very it's also it's just a very it's another odd city because um it, in many ways very depressed city because it's in Kansas in the middle of you know the mid whatever that is the midwest um and very and very kansasy in culture and then there is uh you know thirty percent of the population are Somalis uh or Mexican Americans who've come to work the meatpacking plant. And the city and the city reeks. It smells, you know, when it smells meat packing towns do not smell good. So you have that. And then through some fluke, it's it's listed as the windiest city in the United States. Yeah. And so you got this smell, you got this cultural mashup of Kansans and coupled with Somalis and Mexican Americans, all who are similarly rednecky, um, and then you got the the wind whipping through the town, and so it's a place that I only spent um, two days in, but I, I've wanted to spend a lot more. I felt like I could have spent, I could have spent you know kind of six months in, huh. um, and so those are the two that that were going to be the first two to, to hit my list, um, and then there's a small town off of I-10 in West Texas um, where I've taken lots of pictures of the graveyard that is, it's, basically a bunch of mobile homes in the desert um, around a, you know, it's, it's not far from the border. It's, it's, it's famous only because it, I guess it's the only border crossing in the area. And so um, Willie Nelson, for instance, was apprehended there for, for, for bringing in marijuana when he came from Mexico. <laughs> so like, a, when you, for people who cross the border within the hundred miles, if they're detained, they end up in this small town in jail, and so some famous people have been have been stuck there. But otherwise, it's just scattered um, trailers in in the desert with a, a gorgeous cemetery that's got all these wonderful um, ad hoc um, memorials to people who died hmm.
0: that died crossing the um, crossing the border on foot
1: sorry people who die crossing the border on foot uh no 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 it's just just residents you know long term presumably you know presumably some of that as well um but you know and then and then there's you know there's parts of the south that i I, georgetown south north carolina is another town i want to go to and it's where if if i was doing political reporting this cycle it's where i would have gone um it's it's a and there is – it's a working-class town in South Carolina that's 50 percent black, 50 percent white. And I – and I, it, it, had I done the reporting, I can guarantee you what I would have found, which is I would have found a lot of support for Biden that would have gone contrary to what the Twitter sphere thought. Um, and I almost didn't even just do it because, I mean, I knew what I was going to find. It was kind of obvious, um, you know, that – and it played out in the election. Biden won South Carolina by a massive margin. Um so those are sort of four of the places that are off the top of my head. I have a list of like twelve. I I forget the other ones. Um, um, there's a there's a small town and I mean small town in Pennsylvania as well that um, strikes me as um, um and Kansas City is another town that I, I really am struck by and I didn't spend enough time in.
0: Um yeah, that's interesting. I mean, it's interesting that I you know, besides from Kansas City and of any, any of these places like um, you you did a in the in the book you you went to uh, Cairo, Illinois, spelled Cairo, which I it's like at the bot at the very south of Illinois. That's at least someone know, but these these are totally unknown to me. So, but uh, maybe hope hopefully someday uh, when all this is over, you can uh, go to those places and report on on what you see. So, okay, so the the class dimension to the pandemic like arrived very quickly and i mean it, it's there's weird irony because you know the people the people who spread the uh virus from china must have been like elites because they're flying in planes um and it seems like most and you know the area that's been hardest hit is new york city and uh, it was seemingly a lot of that came from italy um and so you know if you're traveling to italy back and forth. Uh, an airplane, uh, you know, you, got, you can at least afford the fare and you're probably, you know, a well-off person. Um, and so at first it kind of seemed like these, um, you know, the disease was being spread by these uh, like blue state elite decadent, you know, um, types. And, and it, that was going to be part of the narrative. But then like pretty quickly, it became evident that the, like the people who are who really suffering the most from this overwhelmingly were uh, African-American and poor—that's obviously uh, overlapping category often—and uh, also people who are in uh, nursing homes or long-term care facilities, uh, and then uh, and then also you know people in meat packing, meat processing plants, and, and things like this. Um, and you did—we'll link to the tweet. You kind of did a somewhat jokey tweet about the different class, you know, the different class structure, how the class structure is playing out in terms of. You know, staying at staying at home and uh, what you're allowed to do, and you know the the ultra ultra rich are f- fleeing to their second homes, and the like very poor uh, or or people who have no home at all are, are kind of screwed. So how, how do you how do you, how do you see this playing out? Was it like a surprise to you that it played out in this way? I suppose probably not. But what, what do you think about that?
1: No, I, no it was sadly sadly it wasn't a surprise at all, and I was actually kind of it was interesting. That tweet kind of went viral and I composed it in like half a second. And, um, I did it kind of out of anger because I had, I had stopped. I had kind of not done tweeting about what I thought was going to happen because everybody was doing that. And it also fit kind of what I expected. And I hate to be that person who has one hammer and nails everything with it. So I kind of held off and then. You know, it's, it's it seems to be have been prescient. Um, unfortunately, um, like I said, I mean, I think that the, you know the inequalities are being exposed here are just so um, sadly not surprising. I mean, I think you know. <laughs> and everything screws the poor is kind of the, you know. <laughs> I, I I just wanted to like you know if if I had when people ask me to summarize my book sometimes when I'm just when I'm just angry I'll just say well the poor get shafted by everything the working class gets shafted by everything and everything in every way and it's not surprising that a pandemic was going to hit them more Um you know a lot of it's the social distancing thing like you know they can't socially distance you know um they're they're essential workers you know I there was this frustrating narrative. I hate that word narrative. Can I change that? There was this frustrating arc in, in the media that, at least out of the Clinton camp, that she had won the places that produced the most GDP, the producers, you know, the people who who, who really produ- who really drive the economy. I think she she said in somewhere in, in a forum in India that she won the. Seventy five percent. Seventy places she won produce seventy percent of the GDP, and are optimistic and forward thinking. And the places she lost don't only produce thirty percent of the GDP and are kind of backwards. I forget the exact quote, but you know that framework has always annoyed me, whether it's true or not, because it's kind of the, you know, it, it's a very, it's a very bad measure of GDP because, of course. You know, people in New York City rely on food food produced in Kansas and, and, meat, and meat from meat packing places who, produced by Somalis who are unseen. Um, you know, energy comes from <laughs> energy, and then our our military is largely drawn from um, kids um, from 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 the places that don't produce a lot of GDP. Um, so, but I think this is this has exposed that kind of gap as well. Is that people are, you know, the the quote elites the the laptop people can work on a laptop like us are are, are squirreled away while and dependent on people who are putting their life at risk and uh, are quote the low GDP producers the the agricultural chain um, the meat packing the people who work in meat packing the the people who keep the power grid running all those things so you know I think there's that that exposure as well but what what it really you know when it since it's, as it's played out now and I guess we're now in the I don't know, fourth month of this third month of it. it is hard to remember is it the second month second third? I think
0: it's the well it, the lockdown was about was mid March so or I guess we're into the third month of it
1: yeah wow um and um you know I, I started thinking and and a lot of people jumped on this kind of. You know, because it's obvious, the kind of like, do we stay quarantined or do we open up that whole political debate? And people have kind of framed it in my framework, which is the back row versus front row, the, you know, the knowledge workers versus the non-knowledge workers, whatever you want to call it, the educational divide. And I actually think it's not that this time, the people who want to open it up. It's, there's some overlap there, but I think the people who want to open up are people who are, I guess I, I would say are financially leveraged. Um, who you know? Who 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 need? Who 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 have a unsteady? Who have a a vol- volatile source of income, and that's very dependent on um, dependent on the economy, you know, on a smooth path. And those are what I'd call entrepreneurs, you know, small business owners, um, drug dealers. Some of the drug dealers in my book keep in contact with me and they're having troubles right now, you know, because it's just like, it's, you know, they go outside and police swarm them. Um, so. <laughs> yeah, I was thinking um, the,
0: the guys who, I mean, there's not as many of these people as it used to be. The people who are doing like street sales of drugs, um, when they're handing you something, like that, ha- <laughs> that, that would be yeah, I I mean,
1: as a business, as an entrepreneur, and those people are suffering um. – and you know and CEOs of companies who are also quote leveraged and they they so it it it, does, it it cuts across class the people who want to open up and the people who want to stay close are 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 in steady incomes fixed incomes so government employees a lot of them right um bureaucrats uh you know people who work for the new york times or professors with tenure things like you know where there is the the risk of layoff is currently not high it will get high if it keeps on going um and also you know some of the very poor who they may be very poor, but they have a steady source of income. It's not a lot of income, but it's steady. Um, you know, social security or disability. Those people are not impacted by the by the lockdown um, economically, um, and so consequently, they're they're willing to stay quarantined. So I think who wants to open up versus who wants to stay closed is this weird amalgam. Is, is, is this weird? Um, coalition on both sides that isn't necessarily a, a natural coalition um and, and of course then of course there's you know the the political um the political wedge people who who come in and exploit the issue you know the people carrying guns in michigan at the state house who just mug for the tv cameras to to co-opt the issue you know um and get loud get a lot of noise there's 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 bad players Um, I'm trying to hype hype the uh, open up uh, camp Um, where I think that I think there's less bad players trying to keep keep us closed I think those people are just people who are probably a little bit more trusting of epidemiological models than I am
0: (laughs) yeah there's this um I hesitate to even mention him because he seems like a pretty bad actor. But this guy, Alex Berenson, who used to be a slash reporter for the New York Times, then he wrote a book saying marijuana is is dangerous. And I can't he,
1: figure out that guy. Is he is he just is he just is he just a scam artist?
0: I, well, I I doubt he's a pure scam artist. I, I I feel like he must believe what he's saying. But um, but it is it is strange. But he's got he's kind of so he became like a a, a, a you know respectable COVID you know uh, sense, truth or denier kind of guy, not total denier, but like you know it's not as bad as you think. And so he says like. You know, if the if like the the bureaucrats who like made the pro, the projection of like a hundred thousand deaths like would be embarrassed if there's only forty thousand deaths, so they want to like, but like the reality doesn't work that way. Um, but yeah, so yeah, there's that that type of but those. Yeah, but the the not thing that many is, types. The,
1: the reason he's getting traction is there's a nugget of truth with every scam artist, right? <laughs> um, meaning um. I I don't know look I, I, I should shouldn't call him a scammer as I don't know um I I I've, there's certain people where there's a lot of there's a lot of red flags and I just stay away from um and and he's one of them he just seems like he wants the limelight too much and he 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 he's that kind of like oh look at me I'm I'm doing you know and it, it, he's too quick to jump in and jump in and, and try to get retweets um
0: Yeah I agree with that he actually like okay so Jamel Bowie, who is an opinion columnist for The Times, tweeted that his grandfather had died of COVID with like a photo of the grandfather. And then uh, Berenson like quote retweeted that saying, uh, very sorry, Jamel, you know, my grandparents died of cancer, heart disease, so-and-so and so-and-so, like we need Good to get the, timing, economy, the economy back to work. It's kind of like, what the, what the fuck are you thinking? Um, but, he, you know, I'm sure he's, he, I mean, he like this has worked for him in, in getting more Twitter followers and maybe he'll get a book contract from a conservative press he's, or something. A
1: show on Fox, right?
0: Well, I don't know if he's, on, if he's on Fox yet. He's definitely been on. No, yeah, he's some on of,
1: Fox. He he has this COVID report on Fox. Uh,
0: okay, well there there you go.
1: But anyways, uh, the, the, well the nugget of truth that he has, and again I say this as um, um as a former physicist, is these models are tough. Okay, um when you com when you do a complex model of of something like this. There's a lot of chaos involved, and there's a lot of um, error bars involved, and it's a tough field to do. And so consequently, you know, the, the the epidemiologists and the public health people are in a really bad a bad bind because the the, the proper thing to do on a risk analysis basis is to is to to over over overhype it because you want people to be paranoid. Um, and so the problem is if if it works then you seem like you overhyped and you paranoid, got people paranoid because getting people paranoid is going to stop the problems. It's going to help diminish. So it's a, fe- it's a feedback loop where yeah, they're yeah. in a really bad, it's a really bad bind. So, but the problem is they've come off as too confident and they don't have a good track record leading into this. Um, they, 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 they talked with too much certainty about something that's not certain. Um, and then I think they really fucked up. Um, early on with the uh, downplaying the whole thing at least the who did downplayed the whole thing and so the kind of bureaucratic elite uh, bu- bureaucratic bureaucratic public health, figures the global you know the nonprofits and all on this one start off pretty slow and I think they gave an opening for people like him to come in and and exploit it unfortunately um, look I mean I I think if you if you want it's way too early to pass judgment on who did well who did bad all those things um, and there's also too many variables involved um, you know demographics and also just luck you know I mean' it's um, bad luck and good luck, and so. Yeah. Um, but but I, I think it's hard to not look at De Blasio and say he really screwed up. I agree. More than anybody. Um, so I, that's one call I'm I'm kind of willing. Yeah, to make. He, I was saying um, I tweeted at some point like a month or so ago,
0: like he's revealed himself to kind of be like the liberal mirror of Trump, like just this kind of like buffoonish character who like believes his own bullshit and thinks he knows. Uh, better than everyone. Like, obviously he's not as much of a scam artist as Trump is, but, um, yeah, he has, he has done a bad job and it seems like, you know, tens of thousands of people have died, uh, because of his, you know, his failures early on. Okay. So, you know, when, it seems like, like New York City had some bad luck, I guess, or maybe there was just some, like, once this, Got started, it would have been bad anyway because of the international airports and being a hub for so many industries, having so many, uh, immigrants coming, uh, you know, people coming in, um, and also the kind of like structural factors like the reliance on public transportation and multiple people living in one apartment. Uh, so you can kind of understand why it's been so bad in New York City, but then there was, there was, so then, there was the free, you know, the freeze at w- in which people are not, like, generally, like, going from New York City to, like, somewhere else to go cough on someone. Um, you know, obviously people, like, left for various second homes and stuff like that. But, so then when there was the reopening in places like Florida and Georgia, um, I think there were some people who were like, it's gonna, like, Im- like, immediately, this is gonna be a disaster. But like the you know there's the, the 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 disease is not like spontaneously generating in the air like someone has to have it and then be in that place. Um, so in the initial you know when when there's not a ton of people coming from somewhere where there is the disease into Georgia, then it's probably not going to immediately start spreading. But if we return to totally normal life, uh, it seems like these other areas it will start spreading. And so the you know the the bluest the bluest uh, city. In a blue state, New York City was was hardest hit, and New Jersey was second hardest hit. And it seems like a lot of the red states kind of escaped a major disaster. But how do you – I mean, if if we get this second wave, which some are anticipating, or if we screw up by reopening too soon, do you think this could turn into a disaster in some of the places that you've been to that are kind of forgotten? So how many people are coming into Cairo, Illinois – uh, every day, who might have the disease and and spread it there? You know what
1: I mean? Right. I mean, I think again, I think there's so many variables we just don't know right now. We don't know how the how, how it spreads. We don't know how the how the virus. Um, I think we're still getting a grip on how the virus responds to things like heat and temperature, okay. uh, or same things, or heat and sunshine, um, um, and how it. Spreads in, in air versus how it spreads inside. Um, but, you know, my, my first reaction, my second reaction after saying inequality was, oh shit, this is going to really hit, um, poor communities in, in, a devastating way. Um, but not just in the U.S., but overseas places. So the favelas in Brazil, um, the, the kampongs in Jakarta, um, the slums in, in Calcutta. Um, and, uh, you know, and, and similarly in, in Ecuador and Bolivia, places I, I kind of, since I wrote my book, that's where I've been going, um, in my free time is kind of, um, globally. Um, and, um, to some degree it has and some degree it hasn't, but the problem is we're not going to know fully because there's just not good measurements. You know, P- people can die in these places and not be counted. Um, that's less true in the U.S. I mean, the U.S., I mean, you know, I still have homeless friends who 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 contact me every day. Who some of who are in the books, some of who aren't, um, in the Bronx, and they can't change their behavior. They're just not. They just don't have the resources. um, They don't have the 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 space. um, You know, some are in a shelter, and you can't you can't really socially distance in a shelter. They're going to get sick. I mean, I just that's just the reality. They're going to get sick, Um, and some are going to die. Um, and it's awful, and I don't know if we're going to properly account for them because I, you know, for instance, there was this viral video of drone footage of Hard Island of bear of uh, mass trenches being dug in New York City. That's a normal thing, unfortunately. That 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 island has a million bodies already buried there. So this isn't new that they they bury. If you die without papers in New York City, um, you're, you're buried on Hard Island. Um, and i think that's where you look how it impacts the 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 the, 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 the homeless because um you look if you just look at an increase in deaths there like they, they i think they bury about 50 people a week there and i think someone said it has gone up to like 200 so that 150 additional I, the, my numbers could be way off mm-hmm. um but that 150 additional for instance would probably be from covid um and so i think that's what you're going to have to do in a lot of these communities but you, you, my fear about it hitting places like Cairo, hitting places like Gary, Gary, um, you know the kind, the, the kind of dense poor communities, um, hasn't really borne out um, or, or seemingly yet. I mean, it's hit the poorer communities harder, but it hasn't devastated them the way I. It hasn't. I don't want to downplay how bad it has been in poor communities, but I expected it to have been much worse. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I expected it to have, have been um, like, a, you know. I just, just to, to 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 go like wildfire through these homeless camps, and to the degree we know, it hasn't really. And I, I don't know why. And I, look, it's great, it's fantastic. Um, you know, um, maybe, maybe it's under reporting, maybe it's um, luck, maybe it's the virus works in different ways than we know. Um, um, but like, I expected Skid Row in L.A. to be completely, you know, for simply. Put for 5% of people in Skid Row, LA, to die. 100% of the people were going to get it, and 5% were going to die. And I don't think that's happened. So I'm very happy that hasn't happened. I think it's only been, you know, kind of half a percent or so which is still awful you know only half a percent but Mm -hmm. um but um my 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 worry though is global which is it is now seeming to spread in places like ecuador it is seemingly spreading in places like indonesia it seems to be bubbling in india and i i don't know if we'll ever know really how badly it hit these places until we do some detective work afterwards but but the uh, besides the awful moral risk uh, and moral awfulness of that, there's the kind of boomerang effect. It comes back from Jakarta. It comes back from Ecuador. It comes back from um, you know wherever. And so we we don't really have an ability to 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 to, to, to sit comfortably until this this whole until we find a, a scientific solution to the problem.
0: Yeah, yeah, that is, that is um, a frightening thought. That. You know, we're so focused on what is happening in America for reasons that make sense that, uh, it could continue to fester in areas like Brazil or Indonesia or somewhere that, um, where we continue to have, uh, inter- lots of interchange with. And until, you know, until there's a, like, kind of a global solution, then, like, the threat, the threat remains. Um, Okay, so let's, let's, let's talk about the politics of this. Um, so you, as I think I mentioned before, you know, you were a, someone who was prescient about uh, the appeal of uh, Donald J. Trump in, you know, 2015, 2016 in a way that many people, myself included, um, did not understand. Uh, so we've now had President Trump for three and a half years, and, uh, and, so okay, I, d- uh, let's re- rewind to before, before the virus, before the lockdown, before the economic catastrophe. You know how how are you viewing Trump's chances, like in January of, of this year? Uh, I,
1: I thought he was going to win again. Right. Um, I thought it was pretty close, um, but I thought the odds were in his favor. Not not hugely. I mean, it's, it's hard to predict this early. I I, I I kind of did this long tweet storm um, like two two weeks before this hit uh about this saying that i think that ultimately he's probably the odds on favorite for for the 2020 election but the the republicans are the odds on favorite to be kind of in power for a while um 2024 2028 um um and this, this, this i i said this as a warning not as a not not as cheerleader um and um because you know i think um, you know, I think that the Democrats. One of you, I, I liken. I liken Trump early on, from the very beginning, to Chavez in, in Venezuela, um, which is Chavez kept winning. Early on, he won legally. Later, in the end, he fixed things so he wouldn't. Um, but but the first two or three elections were legal and he won despite the fact that everybody said he was awful and he's uniformly disliked but the people who all said he was awful were a small group of people who have a powerful voice you know, Caracas is – um for your if you have listeners haven't been to caracas um in in latin american countries um in places like caracas which is high up in the hills it's a, it's 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 a, it's a valley up in the hills um the poor live up in the heights and the and the rich live down in the low low altitudes. Um it's kind of inverse from the US where the rich live up in high, the high hills. Uh-huh. Um so places like Quito and Bogota and all these high and La Paz and Venezuela, all these um and Caracas, all these traditionally um Andean countries, the rich the rich live in the valleys, in the lowlands of the cities, in the in the valley of the city. So the the rich in Caracas and the the elites live in basically two neighborhoods, Um and they have a lot of power, and that's partially why Chavez came to, came, because, you know, Chavez literally went up into the mountains where a few people, the hills, where the, where the slums are, and, and campaigned there and got those people to vote for him against the elites. And the elites could never get their shit together once Chavez won. They, they just kept on thinking. They stu- they, they, they said, this guy is a clown. They stomped their feet they They devised all sorts of the plans to get rid of them they They fought amongst themselves um they couldn 't decide on who was the one to take down Tr- chavez they They initially assumed he would he would just fall apart by himself and they kept losing and that's kind of what has been playing out here is Trump is viewed initially as a clown. Um, he was dismissed as kind of unnecessary, you know, he, he would fall apart. And then they tried all these extracurricular activities to take him down the impeachment, the, you know, it's, it's like that joke, you know, this will do him in now. <laughs> you know, we're, Trump's done for. And then, you know, actually, well, actually, oh, darn. <laughs> yeah. There was, a, there
0: was a tweet, uh, that the Jesse Farrar tweeted it. He deleted it because I think he was sick of it getting retweeted. It was something like, uh, we've got old Don – I want to see old Donald Trump slip out of this one, and then he yes, slips exactly. out of it easily. Ah, oh, well, nevertheless.
1: Yes, and, and and did he really delete that out of, out of fatigue? <laughs> I think so. Or maybe he, got, respect- maybe he
0: just got sick of the idea, but yeah, it, it doesn't I exist on Twitter that, anymore.
1: Actually, <laughs> um, the um, – yeah, but that was kind of what watching Chavez in the 90s was like in the 2000s was ch- – and the Chavism. Ch- chiv- and the same thing you see now happening with, with his um, successor i mean the the absurd coup attempts right funded by ten like people in miami who fled the elites who fled to miami mm-hmm. you know look there's a difference of degree here but in often the case the resistance feels a bit like that internal fighting uh, you know, a, a clown show, a well-intended clown show in this case because I happen to want Trump out. But it's a, but it, you know it's like get your get your act together, guys. Take this guy seriously. Um, you know, I understand you think he's a clown, but that's not how you approach it. Um, he, he has some you know. And what eventually happened the one time the elites got close to beating Chavez was when they actually they got they got fatigued of the of infighting and they actually said, you know what? Um, Look, there's parts of Chaviz- Ch- chavism that appeals to people um, that we have to just recognize as as valid. We have to co-opt them and put it together with somebody who's more competent. Um, let's, let's you know, basically, steal steal his valid ideas and dispense with the clownery. And that's when they would get close to winning. And I think that's what you know what has struck me was the opposition to Trump initially is they refused to acknowledge that you know the whole stolen election narrative uh, god I use my my most hated word twice again um, <laughs> the most the most, the most- the most, you know, understand that why Trump might appeal to someone beyond, you know, beyond insanity, and and figure that out and and co opt that. And I think in some senses the Democrats did that in 2018, at least the candidates, you know, who who had to win, like the guy who won, uh, Anthony Delgado up here in my in my district, who who flipped the house from red red to to blue. I mean, he he didn't rail against Russia. He he just simply talked about issues that voters cared about he acknowledged the parts of trumpism that resonated with the you know the the white working class here in this in this district and, and he won fairly pretty pretty handily um, you know and I think that's kind of what what worries me the reason I predict Trump wins is not so much the power of Trump as it is as the the incompetence of the opposition um, you know um, so uh, now this whole this changes everything though um you know i don't think trump has done a good job here um by any by any metric um and i, I think if you argue that he's done a good job i think you're deluded <laughs> um you know but, but that doesn't mean but then again you know you see overreach from the opposition where everything trump does is wrong absolutely everything he says is is profane actually anything he does is just you know it's you know you like you know you you support blank to own trump you know the most absurd you know like if if the opposition is 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 that op-ed columnist at new york times at the opposition the the op-ed columnist at the washington post what's her name jennifer rubin rubin yeah 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 then then you're going to lose <laughs> if the opposition is you know more 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 sane voices within within the opposition then then you're going to win um or you have a better shot at winning um but yeah i don't know what i don't know how this pandemic oper- I, I think it's just too many wild cards right now to know i mean i was just thinking the other day is you know trump's trump's rallies are huge like pe- pe- one of the reasons I predicted Trump was going to win in 2016 is I don't I think there's this there used to be this belief, you know, this kind of amongst the 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 elite the elite political reporters that rallies don't matter, right? They're just they're just they're just for show. You don't ju- you don't you don't you don't judge who's going to win by who has the biggest rallies. But if you went to Trump rallies, you knew that they mattered. Um, but there was a lot of energy there. It was about enthusiasm. it was about energizing. it was about you know it was like a rock concert. It, people left it buzz and they were going they were going to you know I, I call it the hangover test if they woke up on November fourth hungover they were going to vote um if If Hillary fans woke up in and November and fourth hungover they weren 't going to vote I was like, ah, you know whatever and so him not being able to hold rallies is a big negative for him i think um i 'm only suspect of saying that in definitively because Trump is a master of learning how to uh get free media like he 'll he 'll figure out some. Some kluge to re- to replace the you know to, re- to 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 fill the energy gap from the from the you know if you know his, like his Skype his live things will be will be the most fun things ever. <laughs> That's the thing I think people missed about the Trump rallies, and I uh, people are going to yell at me. It's not fun to go if you're LGBTQ. It is fun to go for everybody. I mean, you know, if you if you they were they were it was like a it was like a. Insult comedian show, um, mixed with a rock concert. And if you saw it through that framework, I mean, which is again, obviously, it's, he's dangerous, but the actual event attending it, you, you is is quote is 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 humorous like people are laughing. people are having a good time, and I've seen a lot of believe me it's it's not just a white crowd. you see a lot of minorities there who are warmly embraced for being there. um as long as you have the magna cap on, you're good um and and they're fun events, and I think you know. They're not fun for the press. I'm sorry, but that's part of the show. Part of the show is you know it's a wrestling match, and the the, the, the press are in their pen. You know, my my, re- my response to the press is do what I did, which is don't wear a badge and don't go into the pen. <laughs> you know, just hang out and and just be undercover.
0: <laughs> yeah, and, you know, I mean, the the, the reference of wrestling uh, made me think. I did uh, one of these interviews about two years ago with. Uh, the the, uh, the comedy writer Owen Ellickson, who is a wrestling, big wrestling fan, and, you know, the, the, uh, the parallels between professional wrestling and Trump's persona, and of course, Trump participated in various WWF, um, events over the years, and, uh, you know, Vince McMahon is, is linked to him, he's friends with him, uh, um, you know, there's a lot of connections there. Okay, so you, were, you spoke for a while there, and I had- I'm trying to remember everything I thought. So first of all, um, you know, the, the comparison with Chavez is interesting, and not one I- heard or thought of before but you know chavez really like did things like he he actually like implemented a new system yes in, exactly. in venezuela like that, that's was, the difference was a real thing like what is trumpismo like what is Trump really done? It, done it's 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 you know the wizard of oz and a lot of like the, he... the walls is not built um you know they passed a big tax cut and that's about, and then there's all, and then there's the outrage of the day. So that's so,
1: exactly the strategy running against him, um, um, which is that he's Mitch McConnell on, you know, on on rollerblades. They have
0: um, confirmed a lot of judges, so there's, there's know, but, people but, but care Ling about was, that, again, but a lot remember, of people don't care about that.
1: Party, part of he he came in going to shake things up, and all he's really done is glopped onto Mitch McConnell, right? Um, now. I think the hardcore Trumpistas will will say he's he's dragged Mitch McConnell his way, but he hasn't. Um, you know, I mean, I mean, I think the irony is his is one of a few legislative achievements um, is criminal justice reform, <laughs> which is you know, if I was advising Trump, you know, you know, please please don't listen to my advice, people who like Trump, um, I, I would go with the I would go with the to the working class, blacks, and working class Hispanics. I would throw the liberals off off their heels by pivoting to being a rainbow coalition guy, um, you know, and and saying, "Hey, look, you know."
0: Is Don King still alive? Maybe he can get up there with them.
1: <laughs> well, I mean, but you know, was Kanye West? Um, you know, do the very cynical thing of look. I mean, but he also he got criminal justice reform passed, man. You know, if he if he can get African American men. Okay. To vote instead of 12% for him, 20% for him. He's, he's, it's going to make it hard for Biden. Um, and I think, you know, um, but no, he hasn't done much. And that's, and that's and, the, instead he's on.
0: talking about, um, putting Obama in jail. So that's probably not yes. a good way to court the black vote. vote. I mean, the but, thing is, if Trump was not like a deranged individual, he could have reshaped American politics or at least tried well, to. But, but, so but he, but he didn't even try. Be, he,
1: Well, I think both, I think the liberals have to be very, very, very very happy that he's incompetent. Yeah. Um, you know, and that's just like, he, I mean, I think of what somebody said, it said it, and it's not, I don't think it's that insightful, but it's true, which is he's not really in, he's not really interested in, in running the country. Like, I mean, no, you know, all these calls of fascism, a true fascist would have used this opportunity to great, do a great, to, to, he did the opposite. He didn't want to get the government involved. You know, like I was actually, I was sitting there. This is a one time because he doesn't I want re- to be blamed. This is a this is the one time where, um, because I was uh, I was a virus worrier early, um, to the to the happiness of my family having lots of hand sanitizer and masks, <laughs> uh, but not to the but to the annoyance of the rest of my family for being the guy saying no, you can't do X, um, but. I was, I wanted, this is the one time I wanted him to close the borders. I was like, you know, yelling, close the borders in February. Um, and now I think the iron, irony is I expected him to do it because of his xenophobia. Not for the right reasons, but for the wrong reasons. And his germaphobia. I mean that's the other yeah, way well, though. He even noted germophobia. it's like it's like, dude, man, like this is this is like you would have got a lot of shit from the left, obviously, for being a racist. But you would have been proven correct as as the epidemiologically correct thing to do. But he didn't do that. And he, he's never he hasn't really I mean again, he's not competent. He he's 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 he's, he's all over the place and he can't figure out like the right thing to do is is to be. I mean, he had he had a fa- he had an opening to be the the fascist that everybody said he wants wants to be, and he didn't take it. No, it's probably a lot of work being a fascist leader. Like he doesn't want to do the work. Um, exactly, I think that's exactly he wants right.
0: He to watch TV. He wants to watch TV. And he wants to be on TV. He wants people on TV talking about him. Like it's weird. It's weird that like so much of the country is shaped around the particular like narcissism and psychological like difficulties of this one strange person but um but like that's that's a strange fact and so yeah he wants i mean i'm sure he was like he was very happy by all reports with the fact that like all the networks were showing him taking questions for 2 hours uh, every day and then finally he said something so insane that that he, even he recognized that he needed to stop no, I don't
1: know see i don't think that actually hurt him because i do think that uh, i actually think that that shit is all he cares about. He's a classic example of it's like the wrestling thing is he wants attention good or bad. Oh, for uh, sure. I mean, you know, it's just like and and so again, this is where I this is why I think he still has a shot to win. I mean, electoral college is, is the reality and, and there's that issue we could talk about. But, um, so he still has a way, he can always win. He can, he can lose 4% of the, you know, the public, the, the, the popular vote by 4% and still eke out an electoral college win. So, you know, so he, he, he comes in the favorite because of the structural issues there. But, um, the, um, all he has to, do, look, his greatest thing right now, and I was just having this discussion with somebody, I forget who, his greatest weapon right now, To me, you know, is the press. His greatest weapon now is pissing off the press. So the press yells, and then he simply says, "Look, that's the sound of the swamp being drained." You know, I don't. So people get confused about whether or not. You know, I think the the reality is a lot of people don't really pay attention to politics. That's just the reality. So they don't really know nothing's gotten done. If as long as the press is angry and screaming it sure it, to them, it seems like something must've gotten done. Cause why is the press so angry, <laughs> you know?
0: So, <laughs> okay. But, but, okay, man, but, but after the pandemic, I could see that playing out, but in the, in the, uh, are you better off now than you were four years ago thing? Like, no, my grandpa, my grandpa died in his nursing home. So, like
1: I said, this, just just, this just look, you know, he, all he had to do. I mean, like I said, he could have, he could have gone, you could have gone fascist adjacent here and, and gotten away with it. And he didn't, which shows that he doesn't care about running the country. I mean, like you said, it's just like it's, it's, too, it's too much work, man.
0: <laughs> no, he'd ra- I mean, what is he? I mean, he'd rather be playing golf or watching TV. Like he's the, like you know, he he's just. I mean, the whole thing is, is is strange and bizarre. I I personally think he ran for president in order to sell hats and this kind of like got away from everyone.
1: Um, I think that's I think he's exactly right. I mean, he he's look. I mean, his entire career has been marketing, right? Marketing to marketing, marketing marketing shoddy marketing to goods. What, marketing, to what, marketing to what I call the back row. The, you know, marketing aspirational front row products the back row. Um, and look, I mean, I give him credit as a marketing guy because um, he 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 figured out early. I, now the Democrats have figured it out that there's no downside to run for president from a marketing standpoint. Like you you know you free press man, and so he's like i don't I don't think they expected to win. <laughs> I, mean,
0: like, I, I don't think, think he goes, ran to win. I think he was su- as surprised as everyone else. but I just want to say I mean one other factor is um, you know obviously Joe Biden has lost a step, or maybe three or four steps from where he was four years ago uh, but but I think we we notice this strongly because we haven't been paying attention to Joe Biden every day for the past four years. If you look at clips from 2015, 2016 of Trump, he is much sharper than he is now. There was a clip – okay, this is random, but there was a clip – Really? That,
1: there was a yeah,
0: clip – Okay, so someone – I was getting into a little debate on Twitter about whether or not Tom uh, Tom Cruise or whether or not Ted Cruz is smart. I said he is not smart. And then someone posted a clip uh, from one of the debates. Wait, wait, I'll take
1: the opposite side. I'll take whoever you were debating side.
0: Posted a, uh, someone posted a clip from one of the um, 2015 presidential debates in which Cruz was attacking Donald Trump's New York City values. And he kept saying that phrase, New York City values. And then, um, you know, and people were clapping. And once the applause died down, uh, Donald Trump says, uh, there's a lot of people who vote Republican who live in Manhattan. William F. Buckley was from Manhattan. Can you imagine Trump pulling that out today that William F. Buckley was from Manhattan? Like, does he even remember who William F. Buckley is? He just, he just like had it ready. He was ready to go with it. So the Trump of, the Trump of 2015, 2016, who pulled off this incredible upset over Hillary Clinton is not the same Trump. Like he's been, Put through a lot of stress, and he's a, he's he's four years older. He's seventy three years old, like, and he is not what he what he once was. So it's it's more the daughter with these two daughter and grandpas who are competing for the presidency right now. Unfortunately, and um, I, I, I predict the uh, you know uh, Democratic daughter and grandpa will, will win, and then it's going to be a weird, you know, kind of uh, uh uh Woodrow Wilson after the stroke situation in in the in the White House of who, like who actually is, is calling the shots.
1: Uh, well, or I don't know if you're old enough to remember the uh, second term of Ronald Reagan when he wasn't clearly there. A little too young. <laughs> uh, yeah. yeah, yeah he, but... he, he, I mean everybody knew he wasn't – You know, especially the last two years. He wasn't He wasn't cogent. Um, I mean he, he – he, I, I guess what was – who was the president then basically? What's his name? I forget his name. His chief of staff. Who was the chief of staff? Uh, um,
0: the one who said I'm in charge here?
1: Is it Meese? Oh, Meese it said Meese. Yeah, you know, no, no, the, Al Haig was going to say he was in charge here, and of course he wasn't in charge here. Right. Um, and that, that was after, that.
0: after Reagan was shot, he said that. So yeah, that, that was, was after Reagan
1: happened. was shot. Um, I, I can remember exactly where I was when Al Haig said that. <laughs> um, but um yeah, I think that's, I think that's, that's right. I mean, I, I don't know about, I think Trump is a lot better debater than people realize. Um, you know, I, I have to admit I miss Trump the Democratic debates weren't nearly as entertaining as the as the, you know Republic I mean, like uh, I was a uh, again. I think I, I like I was a wrapped. Um, uh, I, I never watched GOP debates until I, Trump was on stage, and then I watched every one. I looked forward to it because because <laughs> he he was so fucking good at just you know.
0: He's just, a, I mean he's an entertainer. Um, he was giving. He's been giving interviews since the 1970s. Appearing on TV, he was on Letterman dozens of times.
1: I think it's harder. To do, it's harder than to do than people realize. To, to 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 know, kind of know, always when how to get. I mean, that I still think it's like, I still think it's fucking amazing. He he talked about his dick size on on a debate. I think people forget about that. Like, I mean, it's just that was one of the ones where I'm just like, what. <laughs>
0: No, and, uh, but there's also this. I mean, back then there was this: what's he going to say next? What crazy thing is going to come out? Sideshow aspect to it. I think people are kind of sick of that at this point, um, because we've been it's been non-stop continuously. Um, so, but I, I just I, I should mention the the Ross Douthat column from yesterday. I think was basically playing on this theme of you know uh, using Trump versus Viktor Orban in Hungary. You know, Orban seems to be handling the crisis like you would think a national authoritarian would, whereas um, right, right. Trump is doing it like a pretend authoritarian would. Um, oh, okay. So let me think—is anything else? Okay. So you're okay. So currently, do you want to offer a prediction for the for the election or uh, or? Not? Uh,
1: I I think it's gonna. I actually, without intending to, I went on the on the electoral college map and put in my. Um, my little, you know, all I colored in each state, and it came out tied. Two sixty, it came out tied. It, I think, but two sixty nine, two sixty nine is yeah, it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and I'm like, oh fuck.
0: <laughs> you, I mean, uh, you know, you would think that the founding fathers and all their wisdom, when they created this crazy system of electoral college, they at least would have made it an odd number, so that you wouldn't uh, have an exact tie. But, but these, so these things actually are possible. Think it,
1: I think would be interesting is it could come down to places like uh maine second i think is it the 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 two states nebraska and maine split their vote i don't have some nebraska's first or nebraska's second versus maine's second or maine's first Mm -hmm. um i I think it's going to be that sort of close um um i think uh the election is going to be won or lost in wisconsin um and uh i think um i you know the the advantage I will I'll go and say the democrats are going to win and I think the reason is is um uh I think the um they know now that the election is going to be won or lost in Wisconsin um and they know now if if they're at, if they're at all competent um you know they know where to, to where to campaign and how and how to and how to play this map. Um, you know,
0: although it's well, unclear what that what campaigning means if you can't you know gather in large crowds
1: or uh, knock on doors. It, it means you know. I actually think this is a case where uh, the VP matters in terms of where they come from. Um, like that's why I was understanding why they're talking about Stacey Abrams. Like she's not. You're not going to carry Georgia. You got to carry Michigan. You got to have a VP who actually gets you one percent or two percent additional vote in Wisconsin, or or Michigan, or, um, or 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 Florida. Those are the three states, or Pennsylvania. Um, You gotta get, you gotta get a VP who actually comes from one of those states, I think, or, or just adjacent to one of those states. I think that actually matters this time because I think it's gonna be so close that picking up an extra 100,000 votes in Wisconsin because, you know, Klobuchar has family there or whatever the, whatever the fuck. Um, it will actually matter this Mm -hmm. time. And I don't think you, I don't think you waste the VP on, you know, uh, 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 um, somebody who's from Massachusetts, like Warren. Um, so I think it really comes down to gaming at that level. Um, mm-hmm. So I, if, you, I, if
0: you were advising Biden on the VP pick, you would say Klobuchar. Yeah, look at well, Klobuchar.
1: Klobuchar works. Um, and, and you know, one of the things I've learned, one of the one of the things that's been a fail-safe safe uh one of the hard, fast rules I've learned always works is don't trust Twitter. Um, <laughs> like, you know, if my instincts are opposite from Twitter, go with my instincts or whatever. Oh. And so uh, a Biden-Klobuchar ticket is not bad. I mean, I know everybody hates, you know, you make the, make the you know, eating food with forks um, or comb jokes. But you know what? She's a Midwesterner. She comes across okay. Um, she's solid. Um You know, I I think that I think the the, I supported Bernie. I'm a diehard Bernie fan, Um, but at the same time, I recognize that you know, I know when I've lost, and I know when um, (laughs) what what I like is not what other people like. Um, And I think you know, the the country is largely centrist in in that regard, um, at least when it comes to the Democrats. And I think. you know if trump is you want as you said you want the kind of at this point you you want the people who can get shit done um you know especially after the pandemic the the technocrats having their moment right um even though i hate to, i hate technocrats but now they're having their moment um and uh you know i, I think i think Biden's decided he's going to have a woman, which makes sense. That's cool, and so I think the, 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 the you know I think the mission, the woman, the governor of Michigan hasn't had, had the great, greatest pandemic, um, It just seems like not particularly um, fantastic in any way. Um, so, so why not go with them? And I think the Sanders, the I think that there there is a real risk though that you know the uh, the Sanders Sanders people are not going to vote. Um, you know, they're, they're just gonna, they're, they're not gonna pass the hangover test. Um, or, or the, or the, I haven't smoked dope in 30 years. Do you wake up with a hangover if you smoke dope? Um, I wouldn't know, but I would, you know, you could say, you know, the, the COVID, you
0: know, you wake up, you're, you're past the hump on your, your COVID, um, experience. And then, so, uh,
1: so I think, I think the Democrats have a internal problem, which is I, I do think a lot of the, I think that rift is, is huge. Um and I think it's harder it's not gonna be papered over. Um but I don't I don't it's not clear to me again, never trust Twitter. It's not clear to me how many diehard Bernie fans really matter. Um I, I, I think that I mean, people who really care about politics are strange. They're they're like they're outliers. Exactly. It's like 10, five to ten percent
0: of the population. So the people who are who are like angrily saying like I am not voting for that warmonger talking about Joe Biden or you know, that rapist or that racist, like yeah, most people, especially now, like they're just trying to get through the day. They're not like participating in the in these things. They're pretty checked out. So I do think those that type of person is a, a strange person, and they they dominate the conversation because um that's who like you know that's who is on Twitter. That's who the media pays attention to. The media draws from that type of person. I just want to say I think I mean I I I disagree with you in that I th- I thought in January that whoever the Democrats nominated. You know, uh, Andrew Yang, um, Beto, who, you know, uh, Marian Williamson, this person would have won, uh, against really? Trump. I just think, I just think people are just tired of the craziness and, and they just want to go, like, a return to normalcy. I've said it before in right. this show would have been, would be a very good, uh, slogan. And you know what? It, it worked at least once before in American history. Um, you know, we've had a lot of crazinesses even, who, who, even who before. Who
1: was, wait, whose slogan
0: was it? Was it was whoever. It was, um, Coolidge, I think. Or, yeah. <laughs> um, and he, so he, yeah, he won in 1920. Whoever won in 1920, Coolidge or, um, the other one, uh, for the 1920s. Um, but he, um. Not Harding, Harding, or Wilson. Harding, which one died? I can never remember whether, whether Harding or Coolidge died. But, um, so, uh, it, it, people in the comments, please tell us which one, which one died. Um, but yeah, so just. You know what? Okay, so what is it? I mean, Trump won forty with forty six percent of the vote in this weird, you know, double bank shot kind of thing. What is? But what is the Trump base? Like, the Trump base is not forty six percent. The Trump base is like thirty seven percent. If you look at anytime, there's a poll where they ask people something about Trump's character. And it's obviously wrong. Like, is, is, Trump, is, is Trump like a is Trump a steady hand during times of crisis? Like thirty seven percent say yes. So, the, so those those are the true believers who are are with him till the end. But there's people in the middle, even if they're like conservative people, and maybe like they're kind of sick of this shit too, and just want to not pay attention to national politics, not have to worry about the president doing something insane every day. Yeah, just you know, think of the shit, and like let's just go back back to normal. I, like, I if, so with coronavirus, it seems like maybe we not we're not going to go back to normal anytime soon. But I just think like yeah, the, let's let's just get the adults back in the room. Politics will be boring again. We'll, you know, let's go with boring grandpa, not crazy grandpa, and. You know, and then that'll be that. So I, th- I think, I think it's, I think, I mean, I think it's going to be like a landslide or a near landslide for Biden. And I, I don't think it's going to come down to, you know, the, uh, the, the Nebraska one or whatever. I, I think it's going to be like, you know, like Trump is going to get like 42 or 43% of the vote. And unless there's some, you know, like Jill Stein got like one or 2% last time and other people managed to add up to six or seven percent like those types are not gonna (laughs) get as much this time and so i think biden is gonna get over fifty percent and he's gonna he's gonna take it but then it's just gonna be like but it's not gonna be this great it's gonna be good to get Trump out of office but nothing is gonna get done because the stalemate is gonna continue they're not gonna eliminate the filibuster mr mcconnell will in all likelihood still be there maybe the democrats will take the senate i have no idea but like you know the system is set up for things not to happen and that will continue (laughs) um even you know once we have the same people back in office
1: Will that Supreme Court judge who everybody loves finally retire if, if Trump loses?
0: I mean, I'm sure if Trump loses, Ginsburg is out of here, like, unless, I mean, I don't know. She's like 84 or something, so she might just be out of here because of the natural processes of the world. She, she,
1: she had her opportunity when Obama was president That's to get true. out of there.
0: Um, but, but, but
1: I guess my, my response to that is, like, I don't disagree entirely. Like, that could be true. Um, but Trump won last time because he got people who Voted for Obama twice to vote to, for Trump. He, like you said, he, he 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 played the triple. I mean, it's almost like a quadruple bank shot. He got he got people to switch sides. Okay, he got the white working class, my back row, my white back row to turn out three percent more than expected. Not a lot, but three percent that's a lot. And then he got the black working class to not vote. Three percent to drop in participation three percent, or Hillary got them to whatever you want to say. So so those three things all took place in exactly the right places. Um, You know, in in these six, these 147 counties scattered throughout the Rust Belt that that just gave him the like you know i think he won what he won like each he, he won each of the states by like 60,000 or something absurdly small um yeah i think it's like 80 or 100,000 total vote switches
0: in various places would have um right so the election. <laughs>
1: So he again he he played he he got lucky in many ways, and that's why when I when people say why did Trump win I'm like he won he won because of everything and he he lost he won because of nothing like you know when you when, when you basically are that close, everything matters, and then again nothing is the only thing um, but you know one of the things he got that I don't think three months out of three months ahead of the election you wouldn't have predicted or, or two months is he got The never Trumpers to vote for him, you know they're going to say they didn't, but they voted for him. Um, He got the he got the traditional Republicans to vote for him. The the Jeb, you know, Mm -hmm. other than Jeb, he got the Jeb voters. He got the he got the what's his name, the guy from Wisconsin who's gone now, this former Speaker of the House. Um, No, um, Paul Ryan. He got the Paul Ryan's who he insulted and treated like shit. Um, and he, he won the GOP by ba- he won the GOP by by basically insulting the elites within the GOP. He took over the GOP by by, by re- basically taking over, getting rid of the donor class. But then the donor class voted for him. You know the ro- the solid Republicans who said they were outraged by his behavior, voted for him. Do you think that
0: was because they hated Hillary so much or they're just they yeah, just judge, all Republicans judges, and they'll vote for whoever? Judges,
1: okay. Abortion and judges, social issues. So the people who criticize my thing saying, you know, it's all about social issues, it is all about social issues at one level. And I and I, I, I agree with that. I've said it's not it's not economic anxiety, it's anxiety that we care about economics too much. Um and it was social issues. So the judge, you know, uh, and a little bit of, and, and and or fair helping of racism, you know. So it it was the. I think a lot of people. Yeah, I think the, the you know, I think he's kind of. I actually like him as a person, and but he, I think people hate him online. Is what's his name? Radio Free Tom, Tom Nichols. Mm-hmm. I, Tom himself, I don't think voted for Trump, but to, what Tom represents voted for Trump. They went into the booth. They said they weren't going to vote for Trump, and they voted for Trump because they cared about abortion, or they cared about, um, or they cared about judges. They cared about the Supreme Court. And you know what? If I'm them, right? If that's your worldview, that's not my worldview. But if that's your worldview, they did the right thing. Surely um, from a pragmatic political angle, if your goal is, you know, if, if you really think that the U.S., you know, if you're a Ross Dothout type and you think the us is um, going on going in, into the path of decadence um, you know the 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 cosmopolitan elites my front row is taking over with their globalism and their and their and their um, uh their their social issues that you know w- w- relativism um, and uh, atomizing individuality and celebrating deviance <laughs> then you then you then you vote for Trump, because he's going to give you the Supreme Court judges. Trump Trump made a. I don't think it was. I don't think it was tactical. I think out of laziness. Early on in this in in his campaign, he handed off the judicial thing to the to to the elite Republicans. He criticized all the Republicans in traditional ways, right? He crit- criticized the Paul. He criticized the donor class, the jabs, the this you know the the the, the, the classic Republican infrastructure, except except on the on the on the courtships he completely handed that over to right wing think tanks i think out of laziness right
0: well yeah i mean he doesn't it's not like he knew who any of those people were or been following their careers. i mean the judge's thing is you could say that's the, the judge's uh, the supreme court and the rest of the federal uh, court judges who he has nominated and, and and the senate has confirmed are the longest lasting legacy i think you know the um, uh, whatever those built of the the wall Mexican wall can be dismantled, but those judges are are there for life. But Trump, I mean, doesn't know who those people are. Doesn't particularly care. He no, probably exactly. he probably looks at photos of them and decides whether or not they look like a judge or not. Um, like I honestly think it's, it's probably something like that. You know, he's not reading briefs, but he's smart enough to figure out that there's a group of people who really care about this. But um, you know, it's not like. So if Marco Rubio had become president, it probably would have been the same slate of people being appointed as judges. And but it's not like there's an alternate bench of like Trumpist potential nominees. Like they have to be like you know lawyers. They have to have gone to law school and be lower court judges or or uh, be prominent in some way. Like it's just the it's just the federal society people. Like that's just the list, and 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 they get everything they want.
1: Yeah, exactly. I mean, again, I think the the social conservatives. In the GOP, who held their nose because of his, you know, his screwing a porn star when he's married thing, um, uh, I think they they feel very good right now. They made the right bet, right, that they they, but, but from a purely pragmatic standpoint, from metric of what they want and what they, where they think the country is going, they feel the only way to to stop the society from eroding further and to decadence is through the court through judicial actions. And so they, they somehow I think again, I think it's because of laziness. Trump gave them what they wanted. Um and so I think those people still vote for him. I think you know I'm not gonna I'm not gonna bring radio t- Tom Tickles into it because he's I like him um, and, I, and I I don't think he's gonna vote for Trump.
0: No, and but, he's he, not, but he's, I mean t- that guy he's like an ex military guy or something. Or? Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah, I mean he, he's he's a neocon.
0: Right. So um, I just want to say I want I want to uh, speak up briefly for Douthit. I am almost positive Douthit did not vote. For um, for Trump, he seems to personally loathe Trump. He's a very good analyst of Trump. He seems to understand his appeal in ways ways that no one else in the New York Times. Maybe maybe, he he's, does.
1: maybe he's a bad example, but but, people, t- his, people,
0: his, but a type of person who's like not an intellectual um, who you know like, like a committed Catholic uh, voter might have just held their nose a
1: fair amount. I mean, look at I mean, I don't know if you follow because of the reaction to my book. I actually am, you know got praised by the Catholic community, Um, and I'm I'm now a Catholic myself for for various reasons. I've been a Catholic most of my life, but um, a a larger share of the Catholic intellectuals voted for Trump than I. You know, look at what's going on with first things, right? Right. You know, um. So, I think Dothout is particularly is is less of a Catholic conservative. um, Represents him less than he thinks he does because he's he's ultimately kind of, he's also ultimately a very, um, you know, and elite, um, you know, and so I don't think he shares the same, you know, social issues. No, um, I, so he, I mean, he's an, he's he, an idiosyncratic, he's an, he's, he's an idiosyncratic
0: person, which is why it's interesting to read exactly. what he writes, uh, because he comes to conclusions that you would, you would not expect. Um, okay. So do you want to talk about the Holly thing? We've gone a little over an hour or uh, should we wrap up and then make
1: it? <laughs> it's up to you, man. It's your, it's your show.
0: Okay. Well, if you, if you want to stick around for a couple more minutes. Okay. So, so you you'll have to explain most of this but uh Josh Hawley he is a senator from Missouri i believe he's in his first term he's a young guy um and some people see him as kind of like um the person who can carry trumpism whatever that is forward without the clownishness of trump himself uh because Hawley is a very like um straight-laced kind of uh kind of guy is he like was he the is he the West Point one or is that no
1: i one? think i i he's a I think he's, he, he's got a undergraduate from Yale in history, right? He wrote a he wrote a book on FDR. Actually, I think um, he's a, he's kind of he's kind of scholarly. Okay,
0: so yeah, so so, so not a not a um, he's, not like Trump. he's
1: not Trump in doing personality the, at the, at the all. song and dance kind of stuff <laughs> at all. Okay, so that's
0: so Josh Holly, Republican senator, and and then he retweeted you. <laughs> Is that?
1: Uh... He isn't only retweeted me. He loves my book. Okay, um, he he bought my book for every Republican senator. Um he he praised my book. He brings it up and talks. Okay, so what and, do you think about that? Um I'm flattered, I guess, but at the same time, I mean I'm I I wish, you know, I got I got private praise from a lot of people in the Bernie camp for my book, but nobody's nobody's retweeted me or nobody's <laughs> talked about it, or nobody's built legislation based on it, or at least put or built bills on it. I mean, Matt Stoller is a lot more focused on the policy than I am and he's he's Matt Matt believes that Holly is is genuinely cares about the issues he says he cares about that he he's an, he's anti-monopoly he's he's talking about you know one of the things he did um, you know was was to it was a, a law to attack um, aggressive landlords and that came out of his uh, his work with with um, uh, people in um, Kansas City in the black community who were predatory landlords. So he – together with um, some black leaders in Kansas City, he he introduced legislation – co-authored with uh, some democrat to to, to uh, basically a landlord ab- abuse bill um you know he's been aggressive on the on the on the um on on the getting getting people job getting people cash during this crisis um he's attacked facebook and, and, and google as anti-monopolistic he's done um uh, he he did um you know he he's doing a he's doing a um Anti-monopolistic look at at the meatpacking industry, based on some of the stories out of COVID. So, you know, people people who, when I say that, people say, well, that's all that's all talk, no action. But I guess what I my my response is always, I'll talk to anybody, okay. Um. Uh, if anybody's going to promote my book, I'll talk to them. Um. Not not just from. I self, mean, you're, you're
0: from- here right now, so that's evidence enough. That's not, that you, it, know, not, you not,
1: not promotion, but like also, I come from a generation where I actually believe you can change people's minds at some level, and I also think that one of the things I, I keep telling people is that what what I saw with Carter and Clinton, the rise of Carter and Clinton was when they started they were they, they 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 basically broke with their party and their cases they broke right from the democratic party they brought the democratic party to the center um and you can get a lot more bang for your buck t- preaching converting somebody on the opposite side than you can preaching to the choir right um like what good is it for me to tell you know bernie sanders what he already knows <laughs> right you know and whereas i think i i it's more effective to tell josh hawley if josh hawley is 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 sincere which look hey man i don't know i'm not i don't i don't i i'm going to have to take my get, hope that he is sincere. Um he's sincere at least the the bills I see him putting out there are sincere sincere in terms of addressing the working class. If some of the if some of the Republicans and there's something going on in the Republican party which is I and I and I think the I think the left is wrong to to to, to completely dismiss it as cynicism. There's there's a a shift. Trump started a shift. Left on economic issues. Forget about the social issues right now. He he started a leftward shift, breaking with what's his name, this, the Wisconsin, crew, the, the 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 small government, no tax, pro business wing, the libertarian wing of the of the Republican, the donor class. Trump got elected partially by 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 by, by going left on economics. Yeah, yeah, yeah. For sure. People, people like Hawley and people like, to some degree, Rubio. But Rubio's not smart enough as Hawley. Um, And to some degree, cotton have recognized, wow, there's something here. Like, you know, we're supposed to be the party of the working class, the working man, and our economic policy is not towards the working man. Um, So I think there's a genuine shift there going on. Whether or not, look, Hawley is literally the hundredth ranking senator, and he's not liked within his party. The other senators, the other Republican senators, don't seem to like him because he's questioning the economic. You know orthodoxy of GOP. Look, I I, I don't get in politics. Uh, meaning, like I'm naive also. So if he's if he's just a if he's just a a shallow showman who's putting up bills to be you know um, to, to, that he doesn't think doesn't hope that actually get to get passed solely to buy off votes. I, I I don't know what to say. I mean, then that's, then that's what he is. But. My my reaction is when I look at his legislation to the degree I look at it, at least what he's proposing, there's a lot more there that Democrats should be happy with, uh, and, and people on the left. Now, I, I, again, I'm trusting Matt Stoller to some degree here, who follows this, who spent you know 10 years working in on Capitol Hill to say that this guy has 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 serious chops here. This isn't just for show. Um, and again, that's what I see. Um, would I prefer Bernie Sanders to to retweet myself, hell yeah, um, you know why he hasn't? Uh, again, I, I can't really say, but at the same, again, I, there's i I'll go back to the thing: is I really do think it's more valuable to convert the opposite side than it is preaching to the choir. I don't really know what what good my book's going to do, Bernie Sanders. To be honest, um, like you know, so much of what I say, he says, um, with the exception of some a few issues on faith, um, but other than that. I suspect he wouldn't have any problems with my book and would like it. Again, like, and, but I'm not sure it's, it's, it's at all effective to, to people on the left because they already know this stuff, you know, and so th- that's kind of, that's kind of how I'll justify it. Um, you know, if I'm burned and um, I got retweeted by somebody who's cynically retweeting me, um, where it, where it got ugly was, um, I defended an attack on him not because they were attacking on him, but it was an attack on him that I find disingenuous and is used to attack anybody who questions kind of orthodoxy, which is the people at Vox the, – the standard attack on him is like – because he retweeted an article of mine that would basically made fun of the, um, the, uh, the resume class um, and – a lot of people pointed out, "Well, sir, Mister. Mister. Hawley, you, you went to Yale." Um, <laughs> I actually
0: just looked it up. He, um, he, Stanford undergrad, Yale Law
1: School, and um, my response to that is: Look, attack his record, okay, but don't attack, don't attack his biography because this is this is a tactic that the, the elites have used. Countless times to never listen to a working class they won't give a working class person a platform because they need they, they, they don't have the resume right so you're not you're not gonna find somebody who is a populist who hasn't who hasn't gone to Yale um, who hasn't gone to Stanford or hasn't gone to Cornell. Giving being being able to have a platform to 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 to, care, to, to, to advance his his or her um, his issues. They, you know they're not educated. They don't know the language. They don't they don't they don't know how to navigate the system. The only people who are allowed to have a platforms to, to to have views are the elites. And when you're an elite who questions the elites, then you're a hypocrite. Mm-hmm. <laughs> So that, that's what I that's why I pushed back on when, when I was like, don't. That's just to me. That's just a cheap cheap shot that is unfair, um, and and isn't relevant. I don't care if you know. F. D. The classic example is F. D. R. Was an elite, right? <laughs> I mean, you know. So I, was he a hypocrite? Was he you know for 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 helping the working class? I don't. Have, I don't hold. I'm cynical enough. I don't hold out hope of any politicians doing much of anything in my life. So um, you know. I don't think I don't. But if, if Holly can change the GOP to be less libertarian, because I think the libertarians um, economically have done the most damage um, to our to our country. Um, you know, everybody. Everybody. One of the things. One of the One of the uncomfortable lessons from my project was it's the quadrants. Everybody on Wall Street and everybody in the donor class says the same thing. Um, economically fiscally conservative socially liberal i i what's that that's the bottom right quadrant right
0: i never remember there's a funny but, tweet about that one also that's like uh, you know i i i like <laughs> stuff like the the the, the things that like I, I hate what's happening, but like the reasons it's happening, I love that. <laughs> <laughs>
1: but but every but the people I met in aggregate, the working class is actually economically liberal, socially conservative, right? Which is yeah the
0: most underrepresented in elite,
1: and I think Holly recognizes that. I mean, at a pragmatic level, I think I I think the problem with it. I think the problem with the my my concern for the Democratic Party going forward is the Republicans, the opportunists. You want to call them opportunists, cynical, whatever. They recognize that, and it's easy for them to move left economically. It's harder for the right from the, from. It's harder for the Democrats to move left socially, and I'm not sure they should. I'm not advocating that. You mean right socially? Uh, yeah, right socially. Sorry, um, but if if the if the Republicans move left economically. I think they're going to have a winning, winning coalition.
0: Yeah, I can see that also. Um, and again, it's kind of like Trump's the, the, the opportunity that Trump had if he was a skilled, like political operator and knew how to work the government, which he, obviously he didn't because he never served in government anyway before. Like he could have re- like reset the board in, in some important ways, but but he failed to. I mean, the thing that like like is it possible to to make this move without the xenophobia and racism? I guess that that would be my question.
1: Because because you know, <sighs> yeah, well I mean look, you know, uh,
0: the Mexican rapists the, and you know, yeah, I mean I mean and I, 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 now I, it's okay. the anti-china
1: stuff to the, to the degree I I have a voice that people like Holly and and Cotton will listen to what I say multiple multiple times is you got to you got to move you got to stop the xenophobia like you got at, at a pragmatic level forget about the moral level which is true like I think moral level everybody understands that but at the pragmatic level if you want to win You know, you gotta, you gotta, you gotta care about the Mexican. You gotta care about the the immigrants working. You know, the Mexican Americans working in the in the meatpacking industry. You gotta care about the the African Americans, the black kids in Milwaukee. So, if you really want to be a working class party, then you gotta do that. Um, And again, I mean, uh, you know, let's see, Um, you know, and um, look, I I'm naive enough. To believe that the the first campaign that I got really excited about as a as a, as a young adult was Jesse Jackson's rainbow coalition which was you know um, how I think nationalism should be you know that's how I view nationalism and as a kid of the 70s that's how nationalism was sold to me as a melting pot great quilt you know we're all in this together mm-hmm. um, the, 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 the nation the the great nation of the United States is known as a place where people from everywhere can come. And so it's, it's, the nationalism celebrates, um, diversity. It's anti-xenophobia. Um, you know, I, maybe I'm just, you know, maybe, maybe, maybe I'm completely naive and that's gonna always, and that's, and my, and my worry is, and one of the, one of the things I, I warn about in my book, I hope my book warns about is, I don't know if that's the case. You know, maybe, 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 you know. As I say in my book, maybe the system's so fucked right now, and people are so fucked that I happen to think that inequality breeds is 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 a breeding ground for racism. That you know, um, as an anthropologist told me when I asked them if what causes quote racism, you know, anthropologically, where do you see racism? They they said, look, if if there's a visual difference in groups and one group is seen as jumping the queue you know uh then then that's where that's where you get heightened racial problems and i think the inequality is the is that issue it it heightens the the, the it, 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 it's a perfect laboratory for creating race racism so
0: yeah i think in, uh, in the book you talk about that in the the uh, the lewiston and maine section right with the Somali yeah. community there um, yeah which we we and talked so, about. I'll, we'll link to the previous conversation we had about the if people. <laughs> Want to hear about so, the Somalis and Lewis and Maine? Part of
1: my problem is unless we address the inequality issue, and it's not just it's not just economical inequality. It's cultural inequality to to the degree you can talk about that. You know, some some things are considered to be cool, and some things are considered to be profane. And generally, the things that are considered profane are things that the working class likes, <laughs> mm-hmm, right? <laughs> like 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 you know, like hip hop or <laughs> or NASCAR. Um, so. Um, the the problem but is then some is, of those, but
0: then some of those things filter up, you know, filter up. And, eventually.
1: And, yeah. NASCAR is never going to filter up. Right. <laughs> hip hop has. Yeah. I mean, hip hop
0: is the, I assume the most popular.
1: Just, I would just simply say for African-Americans, this is, this is how you dress. I mean, there's so many things, um, that are considered, you know, mm-hmm. baggy pants. I guess baggy pants are out. I don't even, I'm that's so nineties, right. <laughs> um, um, but, um, but the, in, in any case, um, Unless that inequality is addressed, I think you're gonna. I think xenophobia is gonna sell, and so the problem is, is politicians want to win, all right? And if if xenophobia sells, there's gonna be a politician selling it. Um, and I, I don't know. So I, I'll be fatalistic and say I I I, 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 I do worry, and I'll be blunt that I think a xenophobic populism versus a non-xenophobic populism the xenophobic populism will win
0: Mm -hmm. Uh, yeah and i think i mean the um i don't think the pandemic
1: i don't want it it to win but i'm just saying
0: (laughs) you know i don't i don't know if the pandemic is going to uh increase xenophobia i I, I doubt it's going to decrease it like it seems it seems more likely to make us fear the the or the person who's not like us than uh than, you know, embrace them with, with open arms. Um, so, okay, that's a that's a kind of a bummer of a note to end on, but maybe we should, we should end it there and uh, pick it up some I'm other pretty, time. I'm
1: pretty much of a bummer of a person. I'm sorry.
0: <laughs> okay, so the book is called Dignity, and uh, you can get it wherever you're, it's possible to get books right now. And and you are on Twitter, even though you don't like being on Twitter. What, what, what's your Twitter handle? Uh,
1: it's my name. It's Chris underscore Arnotti. There's actually a mock account of me that basically – Uses the same name and and I don't think it has the underscore. Um, it's just basically, I'm, I'm the one with, uh, with I'm the one with more than one thousand followers. <laughs> okay, so the, so
0: the, so the mock account pretends to be you and and mocks your views or or just uh... I just.
1: I think it's just a bot. I don't oh, even okay. I, because well, I mean, I just... once
0: you once you acquire someone who's like devoted to trying to imitate you and mock you, that's I mean you've arrived in the. <laughs>
1: no i have haters but um I, I don't i don't have um i have i have a dedicated sub tweeting and hating following um <laughs> but I, I don't i don't have a i don't have a mocking bot yet um and i hope um and i don't ha i'm not verified so don't look um you know you know and i'll go to my grave not being verified
0: <laughs> um yeah it's it's funny i i it I does there does seem to have been a shift and maybe this is part of the you know general uh populist, anti, you know, uh, populist, anti-technocratic, anti-elite thing, it's like, now people really hate the blue checks, whereas before it was like, oh, blue check, that's cool, and now people are like, blue check, fuck, (laughs) fuck you, (laughs) get out of here. Um, and it's, and and they treat the blue check as, like, a coherent class that has, like, its own interests that they're (laughs) protecting, which I'm not quite sure is true. Um, okay, and I also, uh, unverified on Twitter, um, and no parody accounts as far as I know, but that's A-R-Y-A-T-W on Twitter. Um, okay, so, so, um, Thank you uh, for this very interesting discussion,
1: Chris. Yeah, and and thank you for the time and and be safe as as always. And uh, and uh, if you ever want to do it again, I have nothing to do for six weeks. <laughs> <laughs>
0: uh, yes, I, I would uh, be happy to have you on again. Uh, always interesting. Maybe once we get a little further on into the uh, election cycle and we see what how things are shaping up, uh, we can have you back on again. Uh, so you thank
1: have to have, you. Have to, um, yeah, I look forward to it.
0: <laughs> okay, so thank you to our viewers and listeners, and we'll see you again next time.